Greetings and welcome to the pod. My name is Mark West. Caroline Clements and Dylan Sightcheck Reardon run the beautiful website Places We Swim and have just released a book also called Places We Swim, a travel guide for water-loving people exploring Australia through swimming. The book takes us to beaches, pools, waterfalls, lakes, hot springs and gorges all over the country. Caroline and Dylan visited hundreds, if not thousands, of swimming holes to explore Australia's wild beauty and to curate the absolute best of every place they visited. I intend to make this my list of places to swim when we come out of isolation. I started by asking Caroline and Dylan whether they'd always been swimmers. Yeah, we, I mean, we have as far as, um, you know, like I think Australians are, are kind of almost like most most of us are like almost innately swimmers, um, just p- such a big part of our culture. And I think we both, Dylan's actually from the States, but we both, um, I think, grew up swimming in, in, in different ways and, and it's been a big part of our lives as adults. Um, we were living in Melbourne until a few years ago and, and would swim really regularly at um, Fitzroy Pool and, and then made like a made a decision to come to Sydney and, and live near the coast so we could be closer to the water and I think it just uh, yeah it's become a big part of our lives um, you know day to day just sort of yeah being right there on the beach yeah and what what made you think of documenting it I think that um, I mean probably like a lot of people traveling we, we knew that we wanted to do I guess a lot of our activities have always kind of revolved around the water in one way or another. Um, like when we, when we travel, we'll go surfing or we'll go, um, you know, we'll go inland somewhere where there might be a swimming hole. And, and I guess at some point we were sort of looking at our photos and we're like, gee, we actually take a lot of pictures of swimming. And that seems like something that ties together everything we do. Uh, and so when we really started formally documenting it was doing this big trip around Australia and at first, the idea was just that we wanted we wanted a bit more purpose to a trip. You know, when you go on when you go on holiday or you do a long trip, you kind of uh, it's nice to have something to actually come together around and and something more purpose to a trip than than just the sake of traveling. Uh, so we, swimming would be a really good way to um, have something to investigate everywhere we went and connect with local people and. Uh, it really is a nice uh, sort of universal thing all around Australia. And, um, yeah, we found that probably more so than we even thought mm. uh, while we were on our trip. So outdoor swimming, that does that hold? You must like outdoor swimming quite a lot, or at least more than just swimming at your local pool. Yeah, I think outdoor swimming is kind of the main focus of places we swim. We, I mean, there are plenty of really nice indoor pools, and they're great in winter and in colder climates. But I think our, our focus is really on the outdoors um, and that that is for anything from a public pool to, you know, a river, lake, beach, waterfall, pot spring, any kind of outdoor. I mean, largely natural, but there are we do also document a lot of um, like suburban pools as well. I think swimming, swimming for us is just like it's something to do when you're outside as well. You know, like a, a lot of the times the main the main purpose of a trip is not even necessarily the swim. It might be just hiking into a really cool creek or something and then you know you you spend your day jumping in and out of the water and reading and um it's it's not just about getting our laps it's more about seeing new places i i guess in a lot of places the local swimming pool or the local creek or the springs or whatever would be 
be a bit of a community center, I guess, in a lot of, especially the outback places. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, we found it really interesting being from the coast, being from the east coast in particular, which is so focused around um, beach life and, and beach culture, and going inland to places in the NT and, um, and and inland Western Australia, and that they had their own kind of swimming culture, and it was, um, you know, often based around public pools or or maybe it was water holes. Um, but yeah, these places did feel like meeting points, um, you know, in the same way uh, that like a, you know, like a, a town square is or a public library. Um, they do feel like a place, a bit of a melting pot for the, the whole community, which is um, which is kind of what beaches are on the east and west coast as well, just sort of a different landscape. So how many places do you think you've been? Oh, geez, uh, probably. I mean, it's we've probably been to thousands, but mm. in terms of places that we've really been researching and really been deliberate about and sought out and went out of our way um you know maybe maybe 800 or something like that Um, and you know i think when for us it's not about just like swimming in every single place in the country it's more about finding kind of the most beautiful and the most incredible places um and sharing those places with people and um so we'll do we do a lot of research before we even decide to go somewhere. And so that probably eliminates a few, you know, and it's not just any old creek. It has to be the best creek. Um, but yeah, we're always discovering something new for sure. Is there anywhere you want to go that you haven't been? Yes. Um, oh, what's that island? Um, oh, um, <laughs> we, we tried Lord Howe Island. Lord Howe Island yeah. was somewhere that was, um, so in our, in our first book, um, one of the criteria for places was that they couldn't sort of be out of reach for most of the population. So they couldn't sort of be exorbitantly expensive to get to. And unfortunately, Lord Howe Island did not make the cut, although it's still a place we'd love to go. Yeah. I mean, it look, looks ridiculous, like this lost little shard of land out to sea and, you know, huge mountains and all these endemic species and amazing underwater life and um I think, yeah, within the context of our books, it's probably not that realistic for most people, but for our personal pleasure, it, it mm-hmm. feels like it'd be about the best place that we could go. Mm. So you've got to focus on places that anyone can go. Yeah, within reason. So I think there's, you know, they, it should be somewhere that's like accessible and, and safe and beautiful. And there's a, few, there's a few criteria that we stuck to, but they, yeah, they shouldn't be like, I mean... There are certainly a few places in our book that are, you know, an eight-hour drive from the closest main sort of town or city. But, um, you know, it's it, yeah, you don't need to catch a, a catch a flight too far anywhere. Most places are drivable from, yeah, from a major city. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think we were trying to make sure that, that, yeah, they were accessible places and they weren't, you know, expensive to get into, which is which is really most natural places anyway. So it sort of worked well. And it's funny, like I think about swimming in Australia and I always think about the beach mm. or maybe a pool, but I don't think about gorges and falls and springs because I think, I think of Australia as a desert basically inside, but it's, it's not really that, is it? No, not. I mean, I think that um, even, even with all the research that we did uh, before doing a big trip around Australia, uh, it's, it is amazing how much life there is. And, um, and, and, you know, it's funny you, you talk about like thinking about the the beach as being the normal place. And it's amazing how that same mindset is totally transposed on gorges and hot springs. And, you know, if you're a local there, it's like this amazing 
freshwater gorge that you can drink out of when you swim is just the most normal thing in the mm. world. Mm. Um, and the idea of a beach for kids that live, you know, inland, um, the beach feels like, you know, like a an amusement park, like the concept of water moving in waves. It's very different from what they used to. Um, mm. and, and we have, I mean, the there's a great artesian basin, which is the most incredible uh, body of water in Australia. And it's, it's about a third of the continent from Queensland all the way to the top of South Australia. And you just have these springs all through the middle of the outback. And one of our favorite places um, is, is a place called Dalhousie Springs. That's pretty much the geographic center of the country. And you drive for a couple days in any direction on old dirt roads and tracks and four wheel drive. And which, which is the desert you imagine. Yeah. It's exactly that. There's a whole lot of nothing. Like bleak, bleak as could be. And then you, and all of a sudden there's like all of these um, Melaleuca trees everywhere and dingoes and birds and, and there's hot springs and the Dalhousie in particular is about 300 meters across. It's an enormous hot spring in the middle of the desert. Um, and so, yeah, the land has a real way of surprising you out there. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like an, like it's an oasis, really, in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, in like the truest sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever swum in those, aren't there in the middle of Australia, underwater cave that you can swim through? We've heard about We've these. heard about them. There's, there's definitely a lot in, um, in South Australia, sort of near Mount Gambia. There's a whole, this incredible um, limestone cave system and, you know, where you, you drop into a two meter hole in a farmer's paddock. And then all of a sudden there's kilometers and kilometers of underground caves and they connect with lakes. And, um, yeah, it's really freezing cold, mm. uh, groundwater there, but, um, we didn't, we didn't find the ones in central Australia. Do you go diving as well or, or just the normal swimming? We don't dive. Yeah. Just, just regular kind of, uh, Entry level swimming, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we're Just real surface dwellers. I don't think I'd want to dive through inland caves, to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> it's a more of an extreme version of, of swimming, I think. Yeah. yeah, we stay to the surface. I'd like to dive in, uh, you know, maybe some colourful places or uh, some of the great reefs. But caving, yeah, that's that's next level for sure. <laughs> and do do you know other people that are go that go off and do this sort of wild swimming? Because I know in the UK and Northern Europe, swimming in the you know, in the unusual spots is a, is a big thing, but I, I don't hear about it talked very much uh, in Australia. Do, do you find others doing similar things to you? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think, yeah, definitely that sort of you, there's a real UK culture of doing that. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I'm American and it's not part of our culture. Like it's not, I think maybe hiking or something would be the equivalent in the US of, of this kind of universal activity that unites a lot of people in Australia and sort of seeking water. And, you know, I think that here we're so defined by water, whether we have it or whether we don't. Um, and in the U S it's very much, uh, you know, more that wilderness hiking culture, uh, in the same sort of obsessive way. Um, mm, but I think, I think when we were traveling, we, we did find like groups in most communities, um, that were pretty dedicated to swimming and, you know, like one of our, um, favorite places that we visited was um, near a town called Denmark on the um, southwest corner of Western Australia, and uh, you know they they don't have a public pool there. They have this beautiful like sort of enclosed rock pool that is I guess the place that they swim. It's sort of like this big three four hundred meter um, long rock pool um, that's quite deep, and and all the local swimmers swim there, and it's actually quite 
quite cold. It gets down to 12 degrees. Um, some of them don't wear wetsuits. And I think, like, there are some of those extreme swimmers and, and really dedicated swimmers are probably just a little bit more hidden and tucked into into different coastlines. Um, I, I think they exist. I think they exist everywhere if you kind of dig, dig below the surface a bit. Yeah, yeah. And how, how are you coping right now not swimming? Um, finding a bit tough. Yeah. We've, we've been finding a way. We've definitely been finding a we, way. We haven't. Um, you know, like I guess we've been trying to get in the water at, at some point when it's when it seems okay. But I mean, not in not in busy places. Um, but definitely not swimming as much as we usually do. Mm. Late, lately, we've been we've actually just finished writing uh, places we swim Sydney, and so the book sort of looks at um, you know looking at looking at Sydney as a city that's divided by all these different uh, communities and each community sort of has its own swimming spot um, and that's really what what separates different geographic areas and um, and so the last chapter that we did was the west um, and in particular because of the bushfires this year we, we couldn't really get up there until about weeks three weeks ago, ago. and um, just so in that window between when the floods finished, you know, the bushfires finished, the floods finished, and then before coronavirus got really crazy, um, we spent a lot of time in the Blue Mountains, and um, and that was great because, yeah, it felt, feels like the safest place you can be. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and often, sort of, often you're the only people there, so you do feel like you're quite isolated. Yeah, wow. So where, do you, where can you swim up in the Blue Mountains? Are they all rivers and streams and, and the like? Yeah, all rivers. Um and lakes and all quite mountainous um there's a few kind of key spots um there's sort of like a few different areas of the blue mountains i think coming from sydney um i always find like talk to people and say you're going to go to the blue mountains but it's actually massive um so it was nice to be able to explore that um mm. there's a few i mean glenbrook is the sort of like uh, gateway town to the blue mountains from sydney and there's a, a few great spots around there um there's the erskine is erskine creek and jellybean pool um, and then one of our all-time favourites is um, up near Blackheath, uh, which is uh, Clarence Dam. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's actually quite a lot of you. I mean, there's some beautiful hikes that, that get you to amazing spots along the rivers as well. So, it's yeah, I mean, we'll we'll uncover all our favourites mm. in the book that comes out <laughs> in October. By the book. I, it's, I, I actually yeah. didn't think of dams, but, of course, you can swim in, swim in dams. There's plenty of dams dotted across New South Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. I mean, we've had to flex. We're like, we're kind of snobs about like, it has to feel like a lake. You know, it can't be just a big bleak dam in the middle of nowhere with um, yeah. scar lines on the side. Um, but there's so many, especially up in the mountains and, you know, and then even around the snowy mountains that, uh, yeah, you feel like you're in a little alpine environment. Mm -hmm. and, and so taking this online and into books seems very natural. I mean, I was, I was Googling around and Caroline, you found a broadsheet, which has been my go-to place for things to do for ages so that's awesome and dylan you've been doing photography forever so it seems a natural thing for you guys to be doing yeah i think that was probably why we decided to kind of document this i mean it was a way for us to document our travels um and then it sort of just like refined the lens on swimming so yeah i guess we were just like trying to trying to use our skills in a way that would be um we'd be able to share it with other people
And and so you've got places we swim Sydney coming out, and and we you were just in New Zealand, is that right? Are you going to do something over there as well? Well, New Zealand was a bit of a holiday, but we always like to think of those kind of trips as a bit of a reconnaissance mission as well. And we had definitely thought about the idea of um, of of covering New Zealand um, for places we swim, but the swimming culture is certainly different there, and the water is very much colder. Um, and, and the places that you can swim are amazing, um, you know, mountainous, like, um, lakes and rivers. They're just, like, very much colder. Yeah, it's not You're the not going to build a day around swimming, that's for sure. Yeah, we found that there's a there's definitely a book in, you know, places we explore or places we hike in New Zealand, but swimming might be a little bit challenging. So what? So what would be next then? What what what, what have you got your eyes on? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, I think we're uh, we're really we're really excited about Sydney for the moment because we you know this this book won't be out until October 2020, um, and so um, I think a lot of our energy is going to be going into that and the design and uh, making it feel like a you know, like a really new book, not not a sequel, but like its own book with its own identity. And um, we're emphasizing uh, the city culture as much as we are the swims and, and hikes. And we call it a, a city guide for water loving people. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, I think we'd love to, to pick a spot in Europe, maybe, or um, even California or something uh, in the next couple of years would be would be a lot of fun. Well, have you noticed a, a city country divide? in the swimming culture or even across Sydney? What, what's it, what's um, the differences? Yeah, I guess I feel, I mean, Sydney to us feels broken into, well, in our book and, and, and to us it sort of feels like it's broken into these regions. There's about six of them um, sort of in the inner city, I guess. And um, they all have their own kind of uh, swimming culture. But, of course, the ones that are near the coast, they're all quite similar. So it's funny, you know, you talk to locals, which is a big part of um, our research, um, about why they love, you know, why they love living in Manly, for example, and the, and it's so it's so specific to to Manly and the the swims they do there, and you know, doing the bold and the beautiful, or you know, swimming to Shelley Beach or going up to Freshwater, but the kind of feelings they have are very similar to the the feelings that you might have if you lived in Bondi or Cronulla. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting that it's kind of like the same version of something's just slightly different yeah pretty much everywhere we've been like everybody is like universally and absolutely certain that where they are is the best um, and you know often for the same region you know the same reasons mm. um and it's no less valid but it, it's amazing how you do have that ownership over your local spot mm. um, and i think what we also found is that people are quite dedicated to just like returning to their you know their local swimming spots and what we found so great uh, particularly as you know relatively new sydney siders is that it allowed us to explore the city in a different way you know we hadn't ever spent much time in the north shore and there are actually some really beautiful spots to swim there some really nice tucked away secluded um, harbour pools and really tucked into bushland but so close to the city you know with views of the harbour and the opera house and those kind of things that, like just quintessential sydney but that you often don't you know, if you live if you live in the eastern suburbs, you often don't think oh, I'm going to go to, you know, the North Shore for a swim. Mm. Um, so I think that that has been was, we've really enjoyed that part of the book. Yeah, and, and, and it's a really different it's a really different outlook on swimming and a different energy. You know, on the beach on the on the beach, like 
eastern suburbs and northern beaches, the the way people swim is kind of the same. You know, it's definitely that ocean life and ocean pools and and within the harbor itself and on the north shore, it's so calm. You know, like you don't you don't get that real buzz from the um, from the ocean. Uh, but you also don't have the, the same kind of lows. Like it's really even, it's really relaxing and you, you tend to talk a lot more and read a lot more. And um, I, I think that's something that we never would have really noticed until we started researching the book. Yeah, if you think of the beach, you don't always think of those harbour beaches, do you? And there's a lot of them. Yeah, there must be like loads that, that only the locals know about. And especially on the North Shore, it's, well, public transport doesn't make it easy, but it's hard to get out. get around Australia when you when you um, did the book did you drive around or did you do it all in one big go or is this a kind of a labor of love over many years <laughs> uh, did kind of all all of the above but we started off in a real like the least roadworthy Toyota troop carrier that you could ever imagine but the car that everyone told us was the best car we could have for the outback so we had a lot of, we had a lot of street grad to start with. yeah but I left with no, like no air con, no, um, you know, I think we had one spare tire. Like we we're totally. No petrol gauge, no yeah, speedometer. No like they speedo. weren't working. It was so run down. Um, <laughs> and we thought like we left Melbourne and we drove to Adelaide and we're like, oh, okay, so if we can get from Adelaide to um, to Alice Springs, then then that'll be pretty good. Like then we'll feel like this, this truck took us pretty far. Um, and then it just kept going and going and going and um we, we took a few breaks, so we drove from, uh, we started in Victoria and went to South Australia and then drove up through the middle along the Udendada and, and eventually got to Darwin. That took about two months. But just to give you a bit of context of what the car was like, it was literally two seats in the front and then a bed in the back with a big drawer underneath with all our, with all our stuff in it. So it was pretty, pretty basic. And yeah, people kept making fun of us because, I mean, in that four-wheel drive world, uh, people are just like people sell like, their homes to buy caravans and, and vans that can get through the desert, and they're living the yeah. high life. And they've got like box fridges and all these crazy fridges and you know custom lights and all this. And um, so, yeah, a lot of people laughed at us for having like a cooler bag as a as a fridge, and probably rightfully so. Um, <laughs> but we made it work. And um, so we drove to, it took us a couple of months to get to, um, to Darwin. And then, and then we flew home and left the troopy up there for a couple of months and did some work. And then um, it took us another three months. We flew back and went from Darwin all the way around uh, WA and back across to Melbourne. Um, and then another couple months work and then another couple months up the East Coast and then a couple months in Tassie. And but the East Coast, so, we upgraded our vehicle to a, um, to a Toyota high-top camper van. So we didn't have – we sort of done the four-wheel driving element of the trip um, and we sort of – so we had a much more comfortable vehicle for the, for the sort of last third of the book. Yeah. Which we still own now. Yeah, still air, con- air conditioning, and that was just like we thought we died and got to heaven. Yeah. yeah. 
absolute luxury. Did you did you sell the original truck or just leave it by the side of the road? <laughs> we I think we sold it for parts in the yeah, end. And nobody really, would buy it. It was a piece of junk in the yeah. end. Um, yeah. it, it had gone around the country a few times, so it had done its done its time, but um, it was not worth anything to anyone. But yeah, it. it was just the rust got to it in the end. Those poor things. Like it felt like it ran okay, but. We just couldn't, in good faith, we couldn't really sell it to anyone knowing what, what was under the hood of that. So, <laughs> how, how many kilometres do you think you did in, in both cars? Oh, we added it up at some point. Mm. What was it? Was it 50,000? Oh, God. I, 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 would, I don't know if I would be comfortable guessing because it, you know, it could be anywhere between 10 and 50. Um, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much nine months of solid driving. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some long drives in there. Did you get up? Did you get up to Queensland on your east coast trip? We did. Yeah, we didn't go f- further north than Mossman Gorge because there isn't a lot of swimming further than sort of like above the Daintree. You really get into crocodile um, country. But yeah. we found we, Queensland really surprised us. I guess our experience with Queensland was like you know the Sunshine Coast and like uh, very much the beach culture of Queensland, which is like projected to to most of us in Australia but we actually found just off the coast there's these beautiful hinterlands and inland um you know tropical rainforests and incredible places to swim in there with freshwater mountain water coming off the Mm. rocks yeah that was a real surprise to us and we really loved that side of Queensland yeah and then you go you know when you go inland and you get into real um outback Queensland and there's Lawn Hill Gorge again which Mm. is like fed by this incredible underwater river system and it's you know classic red outback and then you get into these gorges and it's so deep and clear and um you know this amazing water that's so fresh that you sort of taste it on your lips when you're swimming and you can't help taking a couple little sips i feel like you know with instagram and um just with reading guidebooks and stuff you think that you have an idea of what the country looks like and then it just keeps blowing you away um like even even the mountain ranges in far north Queensland, you know, that some of the highest mountains in Queensland are about ten kilometers from the coast, you know, and, and we had we had no idea about that. How you know it looks like Papua New Guinea, um, and it's like traveling in Australia. It's like going to so many different countries all at the same mm, time. Yeah, I think that's something that we really uh, learned on our trip is how diverse the country is. Really, really so different. From, from state to state. Yeah, because you don't you, you do hear that side of Queensland, don't you? The, the sun-kissed coast and all the rest of it, but you don't hear much about inland Queensland, at least not here in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Really I think, you know, our focus, like you were talking about the gorges and um, and inland swimming in, in central Australia, and our, our, our biases and our focus is so centred on the coast, you know, everywhere. And, um, yeah, but there is so much life in the middle as well. Yeah, I can imagine. So when did you come to Australia, Dylan? Because I, I can imagine the, the view from America would be, well, it, it, an even more cut down version of what I see of Australia. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've, I've been here for about eight years. Um, and I think, yeah, it's like pretty much Opera House and Uluru. You know, I think that's probably what the world thinks of Australia as. Um, and yeah, it's... And and even, you know, I think now living within this culture for a long time, it's funny that we have this identity as Australians. Like, I think that we still also have this, like, outback 
self-identity. Um, you know, like like that is part of the Australian mm-hmm. idea of oneself, even though we're so urbanized and we're so, you know, we're so disconnected from mm. that in every like way. Like the reality of that is, you know, 1% of Australians actually live in the desert, but it is still something we can't hang on to in a way. Yeah. And this like, you know, the hardworking sort of farmer and, um, you know, or rancher. And uh, yeah, it's it's funny how, you know, we almost have those same kind of stereotypes on, on ourselves here now. Yeah, no, I don't know exactly what you mean. It's really interesting. Is that something, well, this is a bit of a tangent. Is, is that something you see in America too, or America just a completely different sort of place? Uh, I, th- I think so. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely that city country divide, you know, and even, even though um, the U.S. is probably a lot fuller, or I mean, it's definitely a lot fuller in terms of people and, um, and what's in the middle, uh, it's still it breaks down quite similarly to Australia and that most of the population lives on the coast and, um, you know, and then that smaller fraction, uh, that's in the middle gets sort of painted with a single, uh, a single identity of the, you know, flyover states or things like that. Uh, and they, in the U S they talk about coastal elites. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think there is something similar, you know, and, and there aren't that many countries that are so big as Australia and the U.S., so there's something really shared in that as well. Yeah, that, that kind of frontier mentality yeah. it manifests itself a bit differently in Australia and America, but there's still some similarities there. And that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly the way it is. Let's run across the beach, jump into the sea, leave all our troubles in the deep. We'll go for a day or a week, a month, maybe two, maybe three. No need to keep track of time when we're in our dreams. Every day we are alive, yet most of us only survive to... <laughs> I think it's it's fun. Like, these projects are great because we, I mean, we do other work as well. And um, it's, it's really fun that we, and pardon the pun, but like we dive into a project and... Uh, and we're really immersed in in researching and writing and shooting these books. Uh, and that's, you know, it takes a year or six months or nine months. Uh, and then it's, the best thing about books is that you get to the end of it and you're done. Um, and I, I feel like there's not that many jobs anymore, you know, that have this really tangible uh, endpoint. But then you have this product that you can you can celebrate in this documented thing that you can always look back on. Um, it's quite nice. It's quite nice to like just sit and, and uh, celebrate that one thing for a while. Um, so yeah, we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. And with something physical, like a book, I mean, you might achieve a million wonderful things online, but with a physical book, you can put it on the table and there's something nice about that. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we've sort of worked in a lot of, sort of digital media as well for, for a lot of our careers. So it is actually nice to create something that you can hold and, and share with people and give to people. Um, and it has a bit of, I mean, we certainly found with the with the first book, it has quite a long shelf life. Um, you know, this, the, particularly this, the concept of swimming, is, as you'll know, Mark, is just like, you know, there's kind of endless conversations to be had and stories to be told around it and it, and it doesn't get old. And, and the places you're swimming at are almost by definition kind of enduring. They're, many of them are thousands of years old. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're, they'll be around a lot longer than we will for sure. And so if people would like to find your stuff 
online and offline? What's the best way to do it? Yeah, I think um, through Instagram, where we're always um, we're always posting on Instagram and sharing places, and then our website. Um, they're the kind of main avenues for us. Yeah. Instagram um, is at places we swim and our website is placesweswim.com. So it's pretty uh pretty easy to find us. Yeah, the books are available all over Australia, but we also we also sell on our website and we we sell prints as well. Um, so we've worked out a way to uh, we work with a great business in Melbourne that that prints and frames and ships um, everything custom all around the country. So uh yeah, it's it's pretty hard. Some places it's hard to get a frame print, uh, and so yeah, we've worked out how to how to get frame prints to people, which is nice. We could talk about WA forever, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we'd lose the audience after a while. What, what was your favorite part um, of WA then? You can't you can't introduce it and then not say it. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, um, yeah, well, I mentioned this little spot in Denmark called um, Elephant Rocks um, and Greens Pool, but but I think we also really loved having the Kimberley. It's yeah. just so different to to basically the the Australia that we know on the East Coast. You know, it's just the colours, the the red rocks and the green water and these deep gorges. The landscape is just so special there. Mm. Um, so we really loved exploring those gorges and, you know, sometimes you're sort of like spider climbing between rocks to get to this like tiny little pool that you've heard of. Um, it's, it's very much an adventure. Mm. Um, so I think we loved that side yeah. of WA as, as much as we did kind of even just, you know, visiting Rottnest Island, which is just, uh, you know, magnificent as well. Yeah, it's Rottnest Island has become the quarantine station and yes. we're really um, trying to figure out how to get COVID <laughs> as quickly as possible. Like you got to get on a cruise ship. Yeah. <laughs> you hear about the, the WA coast and it being beautiful but it, and also untouched because there's just not many people there. It's haven't built resorts up and down it like we have on the east coast that's right yeah. and like you know you can just drive south a couple of hours from perth and these beaches are they're really magical they're and you're yeah you're often not that we not that we really celebrate this idea of like having a beach to yourself like we actually like being around other people um on the beach because it kind of brings you know just like this humanity to to a swim and sometimes you don't really want to be swimming all alone you know at a beach um but yeah, these these places are really beautiful, and they are they do feel quite untouched. Yeah, we are um, quite wild. When we were traveling across uh, it from from Darwin, so we came across the Kimberley, and and then from the Kimberley down south into the Pilbara, and the Pilbara is like a really big, a significant point on that trip because you leave saltwater crocodile territory, um, and so we've been like looking forward to that forever and ever and ever. And, and we were thinking about uh, Exmouth, where there's an Ingaloo Reef. And in our minds, we were like, this is going to be like this tropical paradise. Like we just we'd been in the desert for, for months and we just like built up this place um, and we were like counting down the days. And we get there and there's like the most incredible national park, but but probably about two trees that are taller than a person. Mm. Um, you, you spend a lot of time up north, like not seeing a lot of vegetation um, on the road. So you're like, you miss seeing trees. And we were like, 
wait to see a national and park. We, and we and built up this place in our mind. Um, but then you jump in the water and, you, and it's like, you know, probably one of the best uh, reefs in the world. Um, and it's all just about 10 meters off the coast. You know, you can, it's like the Great Barrier Reef, but you can swim from the beach and, uh, you know, and drift along this whole thing. Um, but it's funny how, yeah, you just don't realize the kind of isolation that exists in WA. Uh, and you think that when you're driving for, you know, eight days straight going south that you're really going to get somewhere. And, uh, and you realize that, no, it's just such a big place. And then you, you look at Southwest, Southwest WA and that, you know, that feels just like the East coast, you know, just this little, this little wet, um, cool pocket, uh, at the end of that, it's like a little, little prize. If you've driven down the whole coast, you get this little reward, um, at the very end. And I guess Tasmania was something altogether different, was it? Yeah. Yeah. That's like the, we always talk about it as like the little piece that chipped off from Wilson's promontory. And, um, yeah, Tassie is its own special thing again. And, and we say some of the most beautiful beaches in Australia are there. Um, they just happen not to be places that people want to swim in again because it's cold. But if you do, if you do get in, it's really, the water is so, so clear and magical there and the beaches are, are really beautiful. So mm. there's, there is, it's, it, I guess in many ways, Tassie is quite a bit like New Zealand. Um, the swimming is available in there, but it is just for the brave. Mm. Or the wet, or the those in wetsuits. Yeah. <laughs> and so we and, and you've mentioned a bunch of places that you really love, but if you had, uh, I don't know, in a, in a few months' time when, when you're allowed to go trekking again uh, and you had a week off, where would you go? Tassie would be high on the list. No, I think, like, yeah, Mariah Island in Tassie. Let's just assume that a few months it's uh, summer again. <laughs> um, but Mariah Island in Tassie is amazing. Like, it's that the East Coast, uh, you've got just this amazing granite rock formations all the way down the coast, and, and so they create this white sand, and, um, like, Wine Glass Bay is you know, probably the most famous. Um, but also because it's on the east, there's a mountain range in the middle and you get a rain shadow. So it's it's a lot drier and warmer than people think it is. Um, and Mariah Island is uh, one of the one of the first penal colonies. Uh, and it's about a 40-minute or maybe a 20-minute ferry ride. Uh, and there's no cars. Um, and there's all these sort of creepy old um, convict buildings that have been converted into um, accommodation. accommodation and you can camp and then, but then they've, they've introduced, um, Tasmanian devils back to the wild there. And so these Tassie devils are like hopping around and there's wom- wombats. wombats everywhere. It's like very princess bride. Um, just these <laughs> giant sort of rodents everywhere. Um, but you have this whole Island and you can walk and you can ride a bike and there's not a car. Uh, and there's no fences, there's no barriers. You go wherever you want, and it's beautiful beaches and um, all these weird old heritage buildings you can just walk through, and uh, it's a really cool, really unique place. Thanks so much to Caroline Clements and Dylan Sitechek-Reardon for taking so much time to talk us through their website and their book, places we swim if you'd like to find out any more on anything you heard in this episode get over to the website at www.thepodpodcast.com 
That's www.thepodpodcast.com. And from there, I have put up some links to Caroline and Dylan's work. I hope isolation is treating you okay. I, for one, am really looking forward to getting out, traveling to some of these places and having a swim. Take care and I'll catch you next time.